Good evening, everybody. It's Mario with Motorcycle Knuckle Busters, and we're back at it again, another uh, show. Um, talk about shirts real quick. If you guys want to pick up some Knuckle Buster shirts, you can go to our website, check that out, uh, you know, place an order and stuff, you know, show everybody your you know, support for the show, uh, that you're a Knuckle Buster, you know, and uh, we we want to see that gear out there. Anyhow, my ne our next guest is somebody maybe some of you haven't heard about. Um, there's, you know, I know there's definitely people that have heard about it, but those of you that know me know that I love music probably as much as motorcycles. I'm not a performer. I'm not skilled. I'm just, uh, I just enjoy music. Uh, be it going to Summerfest, being out at Sturgis at the, at the rally there, um, different places like that. I'm always trying to catch live acts and stuff. One thing, Summerfest in Milwaukee, I, I go up there and, and yeah, I go see the headliners and everything else. But when you're talking eight, nine hundred bands that are playing, I love to find the up and coming hidden talent and everything else. And in the spirit of that, OK, our producer, Cody, found us a, a really great act. Um, this guy that's, that's really putting out some great music and everything. So we want to introduce him to everybody. Hope that you're going to check out his music. Hear a little bit about his story, who he is, what he does, and everything else. So, without further ado, I want to introduce Ross Flora. Hey, Mario. Hey, Ross. Thank you for coming on. So, um, so you know, I've checked out some music. I've got to listen to it, you know, and and it's it's really awesome. But before we get into that, kind of want to talk about you, you, where you came from, how. Um, this journey started for you and if i understand you you grew up uh in the blue ridge mountains near the blue ridge mountains in mm -hmm. outside of rona correct yeah yeah just right outside of franklin county virginia so okay and that's a that's that's a beautiful area i absolutely absolutely love it that yeah so you you've got some experience out there oh yeah 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 but you know not too far as the carolina creeper trail and stuff like, or no, the, the, what's the Creeper Trail? I've been on that. I've done some stuff there, you know, done, done the Blue Ridge and everything, you know, just did some hiking out there, various stuff, but, you know, riding. It's it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous out there. Yeah, I was blessed to be able to grow up in that area. That's for sure. That's... Okay. So now, so um, so you, you were raised there and everything else. So, um, you've been in the music for some time. So tell me about that. When did you discover this was going to be your path? Um, so like I say, music was a part of my everyday life growing up. Uh, my parents were musicians. My dad was a professional musician for a long time and they could both sing. And, you know, me and my little sister, we had like a little family band. We were growing up and stuff, you know, we just play in church and whatnot and do some little festivals for the community and stuff. But, uh, but um, I started playing piano at seven, picked up a guitar at 11 years old and started or really started like learning guitar at 11 and uh, and then just kind of took off with it. And my dad kind of sat me down when I was a teenager around four, around 15, 16, something like that. He was like, man, you want, he was like, I think you could, you know, if this is if you really love this, he was like, you might have a you know chance to be a professional at it, you know, to like if you play your cards right. And, you know, if you want to, right. um, you know, and he was, he was kind of saying, he's like, I can help you along. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of whenever it started. That's when I started looking at it as like a lifelong thing I wanted to do was around 14, 15. And that was kind of, again, that was really nice to have that direction at such a young age and to be able to put like, okay, like I'm throwing some eggs in this basket. 
that, you know, so this is my plan for my future right here. So yeah, you know, you talk to a lot of uh, musicians or artists or people, you know, that don't get the traditional jobs, you know, and you hear a lot of times, you know, they've actually get a lot of resistance. It's like, you know, you know, you need to get, you need to go to college or you got to go to trade school. You can't do that. You know, the people don't make a living. So to be able to have that encouragement, that's, that's remarkable that your dad stepped up like that for you. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. now what kind of music, what kind of music did your dad play? What was he into? What was, the, what was the sounds you were hearing come from him? Uh, he was a seventies rocker, late sixties, you know, seventies all the way through 80, like six was when he quit playing, like touring a lot. Okay. So, yeah. So, but he, I mean, you know, he did it all from, you know, from early CCR, you know, stuff to, you know, Almond Brothers were, is our all time favorite, both me and my dad. So yeah. Almond Brothers are phenomenal. You know, and Warren Haynes and, yeah. You know, they're, even their trucks, you know, the new age guys, you know, I, I love them all. So they, uh, so that's kind of where everything split. But we, you know, my dad played in a bunch of R&B groups. He played, you know, the, the pop scene in those days was the Michael Jackson kind of stuff. So he played keyboards, sure. big old horn bands that pulled off all the Michael Jackson and all the Prince stuff and ACDC bands and Zeppelin bands, you know, so he was all over the, all over the page with it. But. Now, I think I, I saw somewhere that your dad came home one day and you were playing guitar and you were playing to some Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what was you playing? Um, so I my mom picked us up in school and we stopped by Walmart or something. And I got one of those essential hits of Van Halen CDs that you get at Walmart and uh, brought it home. And I didn't know how I was doing it, but I started just tapping kind of inherently. And I was like, well, that must be what he's doing, you know, because I'd fooled around and thought it was just, I didn't know that was actually like a technique until I heard eruption. And then I was like, wait. So I started, I started like, I had the first two chords down, the, the first two like positions down. By the time he got home and then he got home, he was like, all right. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're taking you to a, you know, to a, to a shop here and we're going to get, you know, his good buddy was going to take over kind of doing some lessons with me and stuff that was a little bit more directed in that, you know, vein, but, but yeah, so, so that was kind of where, yeah, it's just, I mean, I remember that day clear as day too. It was, you know, he kind of came in, he just broke into the bedroom. He was like, Is, are you playing Van Halen? I was like, I was like, yeah, man, I just found this stuff out. You've been hiding this from me. And he was like, no, man, he's like, it's time you're on the next step now. He's like, I can't tap. So you were taking you somebody can, you know. So tell me some of, you know, some of the other, is there any other like, you know, guitarists or different people? Because there's so many different people with different styles and stuff like that. Is there somebody that might surprise us that you, you know, also, you know, said, wow, that guy's got a style that, uh, like Mark Knopfler, I mean, think I think yeah. Knopfler is phenomenal, you oh, know. Yeah. So, is there any others like that, that that really just kind of you know speak to your heart? Uh, in the bluegrass world, Tony Rice. I mean, he's like the godfather of you know of guitarists, and and he like went into jazz kind of stuff. I mean, he just wasn't straight ahead bluegrass, and so like Tony Rice unit that was a huge kind of influence. Even though I don't really. I don't have any, you know, I don't play any bluegrass gigs, but, you know, right. there'll be some times where I'm like, oh, I think that was a Tony Rice lick I did or something. But, but that, um, I mean, Slash was a huge influence. And uh, sure. Derek, Derek Trucks is probably my favorite guitar player. Who's That's awesome. awesome. 
was the Butch Trucks's nephew from the Allen Brothers. So now being being in you know, being there in the Roanoke area, I mean, I I would imagine bluegrass obviously was very very strong. Um, what other genres of music were very essential in that area? Uh, uh, obviously, a lot of rock, but um, surprisingly, there was a ton of R and B. It was kind of that kind of like smooth jazz. Um, there's a guy, I think I, I, there was like rumors, but this guy, Victor Wooten, who's like one of the top bass players in the world, he had a bunch of family that lived there. So we had a bunch of just crazy, crazy, like virtuoso bass players that really okay. around town that were kind of his like followers, you know, that had like a direct access to him and was just, were killing it. So that kind of dictated the music. And a lot of times that would lean into R&B and stuff. So. Okay. So then, so then you finally, um, you decided, um, it was time to go to Nashville. So t- tell me about that decision. Well, again, that was one of the, when dad sat me down that day when I was 15 or 16, and he was just like, you know, he's like, you, to do this, you need to, to maximize your chances. You need to uh, get to a major music hub city. So that was, he was like, he listed off. He's like New York, LA, Nashville. He's like, I'd prefer, I think you, you'd do well in Nashville with the way things are going. If you're going to be a guitar player, you probably need to be there. And uh, so that was from that day on, he was like, you know, I was like, all right, like get through high school, get through college. Then you got my blessing to head out there and just hit it as hard as you can. So, Okay. So we're going to step away from the music for a second. So let's talk about bikes because, you know, this, this is what we like to talk about. We like to talk about bikes. So um, you, you've been riding for a long time, correct? Yeah, yeah. I grew up on dirt bikes. Uh, um, my first little dirt bike was an old, like, 83 CR80 two-stroke. It was temperamental as hell, you know, but it was uh, – I love that thing. And upgraded. And uh, by the time I got my learner's permit, I was – yeah, I had an, uh, an 82 uh, Electroglide. So at 15 okay. Yeah, so that's whenever we were and dad and I would go ride all the time. And so that's where I got started was the day I was able to ride a road bike. I would, I'd be on it. Well, the, the other kids must thought you were pretty cool. I mean, you're riding motorcycles, playing music and everything else, you know, and they're just trying to figure out life. And you got, you, you know, you've got the cool stuff. You're getting it all down right away. And that's all dad. He was, I was just, he knew all the shortcuts to the cool stuff. So, was, you know, he was like, you know, you want to ride a motorcycle? We'll get you a motorcycle. So your so, dad likes to ride as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's been a Harley guy all his life. And yeah, he's had a bike every point throughout his life as well. So Good for him. So what's he riding these days? He's got a 93 electric glide or an ultra, I guess. It's fully dressed out, every piece of chrome you can get on. But it's just that old classic look, you know, from the mid-90s. You know, yeah, got one of those, and right now he's got. So we technically switched my the heritage uh, soft tail I have out here with the Evo engine in it is a lot more reliable than the '82 Electric Glide is. So yeah, also there's a lot more interstate riding out here than there is back there with an old four speed in that '82. Was kind of, you know, I needed I needed at least a five speed out here in the interstates and stuff. So so we switched. He's sure. back in Roanoke. They electric glide, so and then that one, and then so when I go, you know, we've got two bikes back there, and then we got two bikes out here for when we want to go riding. So you ever um, you use the road to either find inspiration or to clear your head? 
Oh, both, both for sure. I mean, they work one and the same, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's the focus. I mean, that's, it's the same as it's, it's like being on stage. It's the same thing. You got to have all your wits about you, but there's like a fluidity to it. You know, that's why I like riding so much is, you know, once you get in the zone, it's just everything, you know, you're, you've got all your focus on that, but it's smooth. Sure. And it, but in the same way with being on stage to me. So, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. So now you've played, you've played, I've read 3,500 shows. Is that correct? Uh, ju- yeah. Just in, in since, in the last 10 years, at least 3,500. Yeah. So 35, I mean, that's, that's an incredible pace. Uh, but I, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of folks do it. So is there any places you've played that you, that you really enjoy playing? In town, my home spot was this place called Benchmark. It's where I got my first gig here in Nashville okay. Avenue, right downtown, right up Broadway. And, uh, yeah. Your listeners might know that place because it was the coolest bar down there. And then, for whatever reason, during those shutdown, everything didn't come out on the other side. But uh, I missed that place. But but that place was definitely special. Um, right now, I've got a, a awesome club I love playing at. That's my new. That's my home base right now. And or, you know, that's become that is Cerveza Jacks. It's up on Second Avenue as well. Okay. And then as far as like out of town, um, I've got a really I don't really go on the road too often wherever, because I can stack up gigs here in town, you know, do three or four a day. And, right. Uh, but whenever I do go on the road, it's gotta be somewhere cool and special. So like, it's either like the salty goat down in Panama city beach, which is kind of like a work vacation for us. Or, uh, or I like to go to a uh, Rocky and Tara's nut house in Kakana, Wisconsin. Oh, really? But, yeah. Yeah. Oh. A little, Kikana. so it's just South Southwest of Appleton. So, yeah, yeah, I know the area. So yeah. we're we're not that far away. You'll have to let us know when you're up there, so we can come yeah. up and check everything out. So, so yeah. now playing playing 3,500 shows. I mean, um, there's got to be a lot of interesting memories, you know, and things that have happened. Any any weird, you know, anything awkward ever happened, or you know, difficulties in doing those shows? I mean, I feel like I have. I mean, you know, you see a lot down there just with different types of people, you know, different, different crazy stuff. For the most part, Nashville doesn't get too crazy, you know. There's an, I, I initially thought there'd be somewhere with at least some chicken wire on the stage and beer bottles being thrown around and stuff, you know, some rowdy right. spot. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's most people come down here, they behave and, you know, but I mean, they get wild, but it's it's not even as wild as some of these places I've seen on the road. So, so, um, I mean, yeah, every gig there's, you know, there's something that's like, Whoa, can you believe that happened? You know, in all, in all, almost 4,000 of them, you know, there's always been something. And so, yeah. I mean, so how do you get yourself up for a, uh, for every gig? Because there's gotta be some days you just don't feel it, but you, you're obligated. You have to go on. You book this. This is, yeah. it's your yeah. job. You don't yeah. do your job, you know, um, you know, you're going to have a problem with the place that booked you, everything else. I mean, how do you keep yourself going, keep yourself motivated? Um, about the only it's my dad always said, like, you don't get paid. You're not getting paid to like uh, to play the show. You're getting paid to load in. 
and like get to the gig and then get back from the gig and all that hassle. Cause once you get on stage, so I mean, even some of the worst gigs when you're just dog tired and you, you know, you can barely drive to the gig, you know, you're so, you know, just worn out. And, uh, and then, but like say, once you hook up and those first two songs get out there, it's like, you know, it just relights a fire. So that's what that's, I, I feel that way, you know, a good bit sometimes now after 10 years where I'm just like, man, this is, all right, got another gig down here today. Not feeling it, but, you know, got to get down there and deal with all this crazy traffic to get downtown and get parked and all that. And, and I mean, but then, you know, you get, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, okay, okay, I remember now. So now do you get a chance to go do, do you do any like festivals or anything like that? Um, I, I'll do then one festival back home and run a festival in the park that my good friend uh, runs. I don't really, I haven't gotten much into the festival scene. I've been a hired gun guitar player for bands that uh, have done a bunch of festivals and stuff, but never as Ross Flora have I really done much. Okay. But hopefully, I mean, I'm definitely looking to get on the circuit with this uh, EP release. So that's kind of the plan. Okay. Is if not yeah. this fall, then, then probably, you know, next year, next spring. But Well, at least, you know, things have geared back up and mm-hmm. you can get out there and play that music and everything else. So what'd you do during COVID? I mean, that, that had to really put a cramp on things. No, nah, no, nah, we would. Um, I was playing with a good friend of mine, Dominique Hutchinson. She's an awesome artist uh, from Toledo, Ohio. And, uh, okay. and we had. We probably logged a thousand gigs together. You know, we played for several years together and we just, we both have like a dog in us. I feel like that's where we, and we just hustle and take as many gigs as we could. We do triples, you know, three, four times a week. So anyway, we got done where the, we played the last show in town together. Like we were the last show at Losers that hadn't shut down. And then we were thinking, we were like, man, what are we going to do? Okay, we can do this live stream thing, Facebook Live, and still reach an audience. And Yeah. It, we did a month or two of that, and I played with some other artists, some good friends, uh, Cash Crawford and Emily Allen. So, you know, we were all just trying to maximize, trying to do like a show a day or, you know, at least a couple shows a week just to stay in touch with our fans and try That's to make cool. a little money on the Venmo and Cash App and PayPal type things. And, uh and then, yeah, that just, we started, especially like Dom and I, Dominique and I, we were kind of, you know, we just missed being in front of people. That was so much of our thing. And we had been down to Panama City Beach a ton. That was kind of our, like say, our work vacations. So we were just like, man, well, Florida's wide open. I mean, they barely had any, you know, they didn't have any occupancy rules or anything. They stayed wide open. So we were like, let's just go down to Florida. We're young and healthy. I mean, you know, I, I, wouldn't have told my mom to do this, you know, to come down there with us. But, you know, I was like, we got to sink or swim here. So we got to swim. So absolutely, we went down there. We went down there with two gigs at that place called the Salty Goat I was telling you about. And um, yeah, right there on the main drag. And I didn't even know there were so many clubs. And we were staying with a friend couch surfing. And then uh, and then we ended up leaving the first time that first trip we left 30 days later having played 28 shows after having walked in there just for like all right well we're here for two days and we've got two shows let's see if we can make something happen you know, we the ground running and you know we didn't have much of a following down there any or we didn't know many of the musicians we only knew one or two that you know we had met from just coming down there from you know once every six months or so 
and then yeah we just sat in with them you know i think manager was there you know and then we were like hey we're looking for gigs you need us you need a band on monday and they were like let's try it out got a gig on monday went to the next club you need a band on tuesday we got it okay well, here we go and you know and we just built up like that it was kind of the old school way of doing it it was very refreshing i never because all the time I've been playing, you have to have a, a website, and, you know, and it's like, well, it's okay. Our manager will go check out your website, and then we'll go see, you know, see this and that, and they him and haw. And, but this was like, oh, they were like, oh, y'all sound, y'all sound good. They were like, thank you for sitting in. Let's get you here next week sometime. So nice. That's kind of how the did it, you know. I feel like that's how like Leonard Skinner did it coming down the, you know. Yeah, it's definitely old school. That's for sure. Yeah. So. You hear about the auditions and stuff like the Fillmore's and stuff like that back yeah. in the day, and those guys would just roll in and they'd say, "You know, you got you got five minutes to impress me." Yeah, and if yeah. you impress me, I booked. You know, so that yeah. was, uh, you know, that's pretty cool stuff. Um, so, is there any places? I mean, obviously, you know, your hopes is to, you know to hit, you know, do some major things in this industry, be discovered, have people enjoy your music. Is there any place out there that you're really hoping to play one day? Oh, I mean, all the legendary arenas and stuff. I mean, like the, you know, like the Fillmore and the Beacon and all of that. But um, obviously, like Red Rocks, that's on every yeah. place. That's just a magical spot out there. There's... um trying to think there's a couple of random clubs i'd like to like the 40 watt club in athens georgia if that's still yeah. enough that's still a thing but that's you know and so um and i don't know i just love to play around macon georgia where Allen brothers are from and you know and, there used to be a club there called the zoo and, yeah uh, we, yeah we saw i saw rem there before they hit it big okay okay because they were a college band and it was so funny we were actually there and they were raising they were passing a coffee can around because they were trying to raise enough money because the b-52s invited them to come play a new year's show with them in new york dang so just before they took off then yeah now another another cool place you ever get a chance to stone pony in asbury park okay okay yeah i've heard of that that's a cool place that's a really really cool place so I've seen like the Ramones there and 38 special, just a little, just a little club, but it's, you know, that's where, when it's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the small clubs. I like the small, uh, I like the old classic, you know, theaters that had that, you know, that perfect acoustics and everything else. So well, those, those shows I really enjoy. Yeah. Lincoln theater in Raleigh. I've played there as a hired gun. It wasn't Ross floor. Was okay. Oh, but I've seen so many bands down there driving down to Raleigh. So that's that's one of those kind of like hybrid theater rooms that are really nice that you're talking about. Sure. Like so what about the Ryman? Have you ever played there? I, I haven't played there, but man, that's yeah, that's definitely that's probably number one on that list. But yeah, that's I can I can imagine so. So hopefully that that happens real soon. So now you know. So during COVID, I mean, so yeah, so people understand you you write your music, right? You know, this is your craft. It's not just, you don't just perform. This is, you know, you're an original songwriter. So did you do a lot of writing during that period as well? That was the blessing in that a lot was the, um, was the fact that it, I was up until the shutdown. I was, I was working. 
I was uh, I was doing the second most of my shows in town. I was buddies with the guy that was doing the only this guy that was doing one more doing like twenty more shows a year than I was, but but I was doing fifteen shows a week, and it was just you know I was just in that headspace of you know like tearing it up, getting down there. That was my focus, you know, and all that. I wasn't riding. I couldn't have. I didn't have time to ride. It was all I was doing was just going downtown and playing music nonstop. But you know, at least once a day, and they um. And, you know, and I, I was, you know, my dad had been talking to me and I'd had other folks that were like, man, when are you going to release some stuff? They're like, we've heard your originals, you play them, you got a couple that you'll play out live and they always sound good. And why won't you, you know, and then those, those talks slowly start getting there. Like, man, you're only getting older. You know, you got to, what's your legacy going to be, you know? And, you know, and so it was just kind of, so that was a big part of it was it allowed me to slow down, like start riding my bike again, like. You know, and just actually get back to that soulful, you know, thing where I could express it and write some write some decent songs that meant something. And you know, so to actually have the time and the peace to do that was kind of a that's, gift. So yeah, that's that's cool. So you took full advantage of it, and I'm glad to hear that. So now, I do I am I to understand you were an English major? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did. Okay, so you, so you liked like. Thoreau and Dickinson and people like that, you found inspiration. And so you really tried to apply that, you know, that the inspiration, their prose, their styles to, you know, your writing and your craft when it comes to music. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of mix it with like my inner redneck, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, but yeah, they had such a cool way of expressing themselves. And uh, that's love. Like, Again, it's a lot like being on a bike. You know, you read some of their read some of their poetry and some of their stories and stuff. I mean, it, that naturalist kind of scene. You know, we're back in the day in America. It was, you know, I and mean, that's what I think when I'm riding my bike. You know, when you're in it, and it's you can when you read their stuff, you can almost like feel it. You know, it's like the difference between, you know, like what's that saying? Like in a car, you know, you're in the cage and all that. Like you're you're yeah. looking at through a screen, through a windshield, through a screen. You're looking at the world, but then when you're on a bike, you're actually like in the swimming pool of the, you know, like you're in the world, you feel it, you smell it. You, you Exactly. Your senses are all there. You smell it, you hear it better. You, you know, the winds in your face, all those things, you know, and that's, that's interesting because, you know, um, you know, we're talking people when you talk with men and people like that, you know, that, you know, they're reading their stuff, you know, can, can be very compelling. And I, I never really thought of how, you know, their their poetry, their writings could equate to that, you know, writing experience. I think that's really cool. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be an interesting outlook there then. Absolutely. So what what's the chances? Well, you know what? Before we do that, now you've got you've got a, a song that's out right now called Cannonball, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, you know, I listen to this and I really, really, you know, uh, really love the style of your voice. I love the delivery, everything else. I think it's, uh, you know, it's 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 this beautiful raspy soulness to it and stuff like that. I think it's when I hear a voice, I want a voice that, you know, makes me feel the words. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want it, I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to be whatever. I, I want it to put me into the mode and 
and what that person in, in the song is trying to convey to me. And I think you I think you do that well. So you mind if we just kind of cue up a little bit of this real quick for everybody? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's see if Cody Lights in a mirror, one to twenty on my dash. Well, me tried to shotgun back to the back for no dash. No time now to reconcile, but I come to pass. Two more miles and one more turn before I lose my path of pass. I've been down this road before, waiting my curtain call. I lay my hand like a man, waiting to lose it all. Better get your house in order. Find tons of water to fall. You can try to stand your ground, but I'm talking off of this mountain. Get that ball. Just like a bird flies south, when the winter's coming soon. I keep my wheels rolling because they ain't my time to lose. So now, do you, when you're when you're playing, I mean, so you know your songs. Obviously, you wrote them; they're personal to you. Um, when you play, do you play? You know, looking at that audience and thinking about the audience, or are you playing and are you going off to that place that that song took you the first time? Um, for me, yeah. If it, if they're my own songs, then yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about my delivery of it and where I'm 
you know, where I was when I wrote it and, you know, just trying to channel that soul as much as possible to give it to the crowd, you know, and all that. So I feel like that's kind of, it. but if I'm doing, you know, some cover songs and stuff, you know, then I'm trying to, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like, these aren't mine really, you know, I'm still putting my spin on them, but, but, you know, so yeah, I, I try to just maximize and go into that zone, you know, where it's where it was when I was writing it. And, now, where was that? Where was that video shot at? Uh, like I say, that video uh, in Franklin County, Virginia, right, uh, coming from Vinton to Burnt Chimney. There's a there's a mountain pass called Windy Gap. And okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where no. I was about my crazy neighbors that uh, had no fear with it, with anything with a motor in it. I mean, they were just naturally just gifted. They race, you know, amateur. Uh, I mean, you know, they're on the they're on a pro am circuit right now with uh, all kinds of stuff from drag Harleys to flat tracking to you know they've got some late models and you know they're all over the place. So I was kind of had them in mind when I was like, okay, I could see these those guys tearing down this mountain with you know with cops and behind them, but pretty confident that they're not going to get caught. So. Well, we we got to get that we got to get that song into the hands of Jay uh, Jay uh, Jason Sims. He runs the Cannonball, so he'd probably love that. So maybe oh, yeah. you maybe you become his official theme song or something. Hey, yeah, that'd be Shoot. pretty quick. So, um, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at your I'm looking at your board and you're working your pedals and stuff like that. Any any issues you ever run into any major issues with equipment my son plays and he plays out live and stuff you know he's running some things yeah yeah um i mean i'll be first to say i got an overkill board you know but i mean i do play i do 11 shows a week right now so i just kind of use it to not get bored you know like on some gigs when there's nobody you know it happens to everybody but there's gonna be gigs where there's nobody there and end of the night and it's like well i played this song this is the 2000th time i played this song what if i add a little flange on there you know just to you know so that's mainly what i use it for but um yeah stuff is constantly breaking no matter how good a gear you're getting you know and i've, I've had, get, sure. I've had boards that are professionally set up where every you know every little cable is tied up nicely and you know for like you know you know for big gigs and stuff. And I've had little tiny boards where just, you know, a DI basically for an acoustic and it's all, that's I all had, you need, but. Yeah. I had no idea until my son and, and just how much you guys put into your boards, setting up your boards and all the, and it's like, are you for real? You know, and the, and the money that gets tied up in the things is nuts. So it happens real fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You ain't kidding. It's, now and then, I love, even more. I'm sorry. Then the studio game, which is kind of what I started getting into a little bit more during the shutdown. That's like, I feel like I've been training as a guitar player, as a gearhead for the studio world now. So I'm, cause that's, that's a whole, that's the deep end of the pool there. Talking yeah. about gear that's expensive and just, you know, and you got to have more and more and every piece justifies the next. And so that's, that's very cool. You know, I, I, the one thing, you know, for people, explain to people that haven't been to Nashville. And if you haven't been to Nashville, I mean, it's it's an absolute must. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say a little bit about it, but I love Nashville, especially this time of year when it's warm out. They open up the glass, the doors, you know, they put the bands in the front. You can walk down the street and it's just, it's a magical place to go. 
Mm-hmm. So tell tell folks about that and just, you know, give them a little bit more of a background on that. Yeah, it's the only place on earth that's even remotely near what this experience is, especially downtown. I mean, that's what you're talking about. And that's where I work at most of the time. And like I say, yeah, you just, you're walking downtown, you hear it's just a constant flood of music, but you know, 99% of it's really good. So, you know, it's like, so it's, it's not like, I don't know. It's not annoying, but it's just like, it's constantly just flooding your ears. I love, I still love when I'm driving downtown to go to a gig. I, Anytime I'm on Broadway, I roll my windows down just to hear like all of it coming in from all sides and all that music and, you know, and see my friends play. Oh, there's, you know, yeah, there's Corbin yeah, there. I- oh, in, in the windows on drummers, just, you know, killing it and singers just, you know, just pouring their souls out left and right and guitar players. You can't even nowhere in the world can compete with the guitar players in this town. There's, this is, you know, so if you're at all into that, then you'll get your, you know, you'll get your fill pretty quick out here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Well, and I think, I think people too, they, they get a little pigeonholed. They think the only thing you're going to, the only kind of music you're going to hear in Nashville is country music. Mm. That's not true at all, is it? Not, not, not at all. There's a healthy, I mean, there's a big rock scene. I mean, there's a jazz scene. You know, obviously the R and B, and I mean, country is the dominant one, of course. But you know, now you know, there's even a rap scene that's pretty crazy. There's guys like Jelly Roll and stuff that yeah. are coming here and stuff. So yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, and I think and now the other thing is is Nashville's got so much good, good restaurants as well. I mean, there, there's no shortage. I mean, you can go listen to great music, eat good food, a lot of good people. I've never really seen Nashville doesn't get too crazy. I mean, it's not like going you go to New Orleans, you know, it's gets a little uh, dicey and crazy. You go to New York City, you go to Chicago, different places, it can be a little bit crazy. But for whatever reason, Nashville always just seems to be um, people are having fun, but it's a little bit more laid back. It's not like going to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And it's certainly not as expensive as going to Vegas, that's for sure. No, not at all. So now you have you've got an EP coming out, correct? Yes. Okay, so tell us about that. So it's uh, coming out July 15th and it's titled Shoulders of Giants. And it's a um and it's just a culmination of some songs that some songs of I wrote a while back, um, a couple years ago, specifically one called Badlands. And then uh, the other songs are um, mainly about my, uh, the place that I'm at now, you know, the good and bad that comes with this kind of gypsy lifestyle, I guess. And, uh, sure. and um, yeah, and uh, like I say, Shoulders of Giants, that alludes to, uh, there's, a, there's a track on the album called Shoulders of Giants. And that really uh, pays homage to the old timers that aren't with us anymore that really shaped my life, like my grandfather, Melvin Flora, um, my good friend's grandfather, Bill Walker Sr., uh, my neighbor, Ron Lehman, and Larnell Starkey. So those kind of folks were the main people I was thinking about when I wrote that, wrote that song. And then it was pretty obvious that definitely. Well, I think you need to play that for us. What's the chances we can get you to play that song for us? Nope, we back. Yep. All right. So I think we cut all that. So what's the chances we can get you to play that song for us? 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing for you here. It's a star. I figured you might have me playing something. I was like, I should have a guitar in here. I'm building my studio right now. We do, um, I'm in the middle of a move. So all my yeah. studio stuff is doing boxes. Next time you'll you'll see me with a wall of guitars behind me. But, um, so, so that means you're going to come back on when you're rich and famous and everybody's screaming for you to perform uh, for them? Well, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna We're going to hold you to that. Hey, please do, please do, for real. And even if I don't, man, if I don't do the rich and famous part, you know. Well, if you yeah, don't, we'll just we're just gonna talk shit about you then. Yeah, hey, man. <laughs> 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 All right, so yeah, it's uh, shoulders of giants. Sometimes the path is clearly the direction that I'm gone. Those days that seem to happen, too few and far between. Most times the weight is heavy and the hanging side unseen. Here I stand on the shoulders of giants. Blue collar, self-reliant, dark horse defiant, just a man. Trying to fill the boots and tighten, the birds that go in the silence, dumb and not forgotten. Some notes become a song The right moments can shape a lifetime yeah, Some people make you strong I've seen my share of heroes Move mountains in their way And watch them overcome Yeah, when they can lay in wait Here I stand on the shoulders of giants, blue collar self-reliant, dark horse defiant, just a man, trying to fill the boots of titans, words that go in the silence, dumb and not forgotten. No, you ain't questioning what you take. The measures how you live, they're the only thing that matters. How much can you be? 
here I stand on the shoulders of giants, coming up for God's hand. Here I stand on the shoulders of giants, blue collar self reliant, dark horse defiant, just a man trying to fill the boots of tight. Words that go in silence Don't I forgot it Here I stand My shoulders a giant in the end You know, that's very, very cool. And I'm really looking forward to hearing the EP. And I think that song's unique because the fact is you want people to identify with your song, but more than anything, what really makes the song special is when it's owned, when somebody owns a piece of it in their heart. Because I listen to that and I think about the individuals that, you know, those, they were the giants in my life. You know, yeah. you, you refer to the, the giants of your life. And I, I just think that's phenomenal. So, uh, Great song, beautiful song. Thank you so much for playing that. Oh, thank you, thank you, Mario. So we do a we do a thing in each show when we go and wrap up our show. We we ask three questions of every one of our guests. Same three questions. All right. Uh, so we're not gonna, we're not going to hit you with anything you know crazy or weird that nobody else has <laughs> to deal with. But you know it's it's all motorcycle related, so it's it's cool. So. So first question, I think, and I think this question coming on the heels of that song is kind of uh, very befitting. Um, if you can go ride with anybody, go ride motorcycles with anybody, um, you know, past or present, who would you like to go ride with? Uh, Greg Allman, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's I a good question. I don't even know if he rode, but I'm sure he did at some point. In his yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive. Yes, you did. Yeah. So, um, okay. And then the other thing is, if uh, if you could own any bike, you know, to ride, you know, what what bike would you like to own? Mm. Probably, I'd love to have one of Indian Larry's pieces. You know, just that would be. They're just any one of them, you know, and just one with one of the springers on the front end and just, you know, straight up with a peanut tank and, you know, just true Indian Larry style and try to stand yeah. up. Well, you'll have to keep your eyes peeled because we're going to be doing something with an, in, with an Indian Larry frame and front end and everything. We're doing a build and tank with okay. uh, somebody. So it's going to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you about it when we go, when we, we wrap this up. Uh, because that announcement will come up later and stuff. And then if you could go ride anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, where would you like to go ride? I've never really thought about internationally, but um, I've always, I, I want to go out West. Any chance I can, I try to get out West, you know, just New Mexico area right there. Get lost in that desert as best I can. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. The one place I've never, I want to ride up. I want to ride Albuquerque up to Santa Fe. And I've never done it. I think that'd oh, be a yeah. cool. My favorite little stretch right there in Monument Valley. 
up yeah. a little bit more through there. You know, so yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That, so that's a very cool ride. So now, if people wanted to, let's 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 refresh people's memories. If they want to come out and see you in Nashville, where are they gonna? Where do they track down? You know your uh, dates, where where you're playing, where you're gonna be. Well, you can go to ross-flora.com. And that that has my weekly schedule. So if anything pops up, you know, if, if you're you know, if you're getting to town, you need to know, you know, if I'm playing that night. But my steady gigs, regular gigs, are uh, Thursday nights at Cerveza Jacks, seven to eleven. It's Friday and Saturday night at Cerveza Jacks from six to nine. Um, got some day shifts, so like Friday. Uh, I just added these to so Friday. 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at uh, Tequila Cowboy, and then Saturday 2 to 6 at Casa Rosa. I say just add those two, and then um, Sundays 2 to 6 at Luke Bryan's Bar. Okay. Mondays 2 to 6 at Luke's, and then you know Sunday nights uh, 6 to 10 at MJ's Chill Spot, which is a cool little dive that's ran by my friends, and uh, and uh, and then Monday night is. Just, yeah. So. So, yeah so in other words, if you're in Nashville on any given day, you can go see Ross yeah. Flora. So there's no problems there. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And then if anybody wanted to, you know, sees this and says, hey, you know, I'd like to get Ross to come out and, and book a gig with him or bring him out. I mean, I've got some friends that run some rallies around the country um, and stuff like that. How do they, what's the best way to reach out to you there? Um, I think... I've booked a lot of shows through uh, Facebook, you know, just through Messenger. Okay. Uh, like say, and then Ross Flora, Ross-Flora.com has a, uh, it's got a full booking page, a contact page and all that. So, so I got standing behind me and, um, you know, and I, I try to stay on top, top of that stuff as much as I can. And, uh, and like say, and if I don't get to it, then the team is, you know, on it like a hawk. So and that's, you know, so. Wonderful. Yeah. So. Well, sir, I I've really enjoyed this. Uh, enjoy your music. I hope that uh, we get your uh, get word out of you um, as an artist. People discover you and uh, embrace your music like uh, I think they should. So, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mario. Appreciate it, man. You're welcome. Thanks. 